This episode of Tantric Conversation has been brought to you by Comfort Restaurant at 200 West Broad Street in beautiful downtown Richmond, Virginia. Comfort, as the name implies, is a place that you can go to get excellent takes on classic comfort food from the American South. If you want to be comfortable, there are selections like meatloaf and fried catfish with macaroni and cheese and cheese grits and fried okra to comfort you. And Wednesday nights is fried chicken night. There is also a lot going on there in the kitchen, challenging and expanding the parameters of Southern cuisine, um, many creative takes on classics as well as brand new inventions. That's Comfort Restaurant at 200 West Broad Street in Richmond, Virginia. Check them out. Namaste, motherfuckers, and welcome to Tantric Conversation, episode number 23, Mr. Ricky Tubb. Ricky Tubb is a Richmond musician that goes way back, uh, gosh, till the 80s. He's in his first band in high school, Eccentrics, and has since been in many others, including The Waking Hours and currently Glass Twin. I first met Ricky, I guess, in the late 90s, and we were sharing practice space in the bakery building on Broad Street, a bunch of other bands were, and uh, most of our relationship has kind of been kind of running into each other, various places, parties and bars, and uh, kind of partying together, but I don't do that stuff anymore, and I still really dig Ricky. I think, I know a lot of musicians, and Ricky is one of the most affable, kind of just uh, gung-ho dudes I've ever known you know he's just a he doesn't seem to have any of that uh, exclusive attitude about you know what scene or what genre or what kind of music he's playing he just plays what he plays and he plays it with the people he wants to play it with and I always like that I've never known the guy to be negative particularly he's always just that kind of always got a quip on his tongue and uh, and a smile and uh, it's a it's a refreshing thing because I, I don't know, I have a tendency, even though I'm really interested in being positive, I have a, I guess I overthink things and sometimes and it's uh, it's great to talk to Ricky because he doesn't really, he's plenty smart but he didn't, doesn't really seem to overwork things and enjoyed talking to him. We, uh, we talked a little longer, this is actually uh, an abridged conversation, I've uh, I decided that um, it is time to start tightening up these things a little bit. And it's, you know, now that I've gotten enough um, skill with this program, I'm using to edit them. I don't mind streamlining it. So we streamlined this one. And part of the reason is because we got into talking about some stuff I'm just not ready to put out there yet. But maybe one day, kids, you'll get to get into some of the dirty when I when I think it's appropriate, but not yet. You're not old enough yet to hear these stories. Just innocent little babes, innocent little lambs. Um, fall is rolling around here, and I always love the fall time in Richmond. Back to school, I have decided that I am going back, at least uh, to some degree, to work. I'm going to be uh, at least having a solid kind of a day gig in order to have some health insurance and uh, all that stuff which uh, I'm not really able to pay for based on this podcast um, so see what you guys have done you didn't kick in enough dough and now I have to go back to work instead of working on this but I am going to keep doing this um, to a week just like I have been uh, I really enjoy it and I really enjoy getting to talk to all these people as I keep saying so the beat goes on um, we got uh, got a bunch of other people that I've got lined up to talk to over the next few days. My old buddy Mike Sorvino Bauer, 
who uh, has been in the local band Channel 43 and was also in the Devil Tones for a while. And he was my bartender there at Patrick Henry Pub back in the day when I used to do that. And he worked as a guitar tech for Jack's Mannequin for many years, and he always hit me up when he would come out to the Twin Cities. It was always great to see him. Another great, affable, positive rock and roller. Looking forward to talking to him. And then on that same, following that same Jack's Mannequin streak, got Jonathan Sullivan going to be talking to later on this week. Kid is Qual is his current band. If you get a chance to check them out, they're really entertaining. Uh, yeah, so... I'm not going to bother telling you guys about date-sensitive things that are going on in town anymore so that when we go back and listen to these old podcasts, people aren't thinking that some band is playing that's not. But I will direct you, as always, to Balasso. There's always great stuff going on there. Chris Bokes uh, really uh, does a great job of booking stuff in that back room there. Lots of great stuff going on at Strange Matter and The Camel. And John Morgan at One Way Richmond is a great resource for finding out what's going on all over town. And, uh, of course, you know, you can, uh, you know, you can always check out the pages on the Facebook. But, uh, I'm not going to be talking about that stuff because it, uh, it quickly becomes stale in the static medium of the podcast. Great thing about the podcast is it sticks around. Bad thing about it is you'll be announcing shit that's old. So we're not going to do that anymore. But I hope you all can find your way to all the great dynamic things that are going on in RVA all the time. And uh, we'll be seeing you out there. We're going to start rolling. Ricky Tubbs. Hi, Ricky Tubbs. Sitting in Ricky Tubbs' bedroom with your dog. What is this dog's name? Her name is Elsa. Hey, Elsa. She's a minpin chihuahua. What's a minpin? Miniature pincher. Oh. Most people don't. Can't put two and two together on that. Yeah, the, the, I, I always see their wheels turning. She doesn't. Well, I guess she does look like a kind of like a Doberman pincher. That that does make sense. Yeah. there's so many of these little combo names like the corgi, uh, corgi poo. Yeah, right. Cockapoo. So what? Um, you're living above Helen's. How do you how do you like all that noise? Down oh, there? I hate it. Did you see my Facebook, my snarky Facebook post? Said something about dolphin chattering. Is that right? Oh, uh, it's my favorite new term. Street dolphins. Street dolphins. Yes. Yeah. Is that like high pitched uh, cackling and giggling? Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. That's that's fitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's picking on the ladies, but you know they <clears throat> they ask for it. Well, and no one came up with a funny dude chatter thing yet, so. Yeah, what is the fun, the dude chatter thing? Oh, we can work on it. That's more like, uh, well, they don't chatter. They just let the girls do all the talking and they're going to do whatever they can. They just typically fight out there. Like actual fighting? Like fist fights? Yeah, a lot of just, well, yeah. There's quite a bit of fisticuffs. Are you comfortable saying that way? Do you want to? I guess I'm all right. Okay. I'll be all right, I guess. Elsa, come over here. Come over here. I was trying to let Come the to dog uh, have her yeah. have her way, but uh, you can okay. judge these pillows any way you yeah, like. There we go. <laughs> All right. So we were just talking about you went to say, you're from Richmond. Yeah, right? I'm from Richmond. Born and raised. Uh huh. And you went to uh, St. Edwards. Yeah, I went to St. I went well. If you want to go all the way back, I went to uh, Tom Thumb. Nursery school on Juggernaut uh, Road. <laughs> yeah. Up and Sneed's Nursery. Big into punk rock and skating and all that stuff. And No, we'll and talk about school. that because I was listening to some of your other interviews last night. And, uh, I'm like probably the only guy that didn't come up in the punk rock skate scene. And I think I missed out a little bit. What did you come I up I think in? you might want to loop your cord over your stand so that way it's, it's isolated from any movement because, you know, that's problematic. That's- As an engineer, I highly recommend that. Okay. Like over the little handle the there. Yeah, that way if you if it's we just got a whole lot more extra noise. Uh, okay. I have to I have to look God after damn. things like that. It's built right into me. This is the this is the thing about getting comfortable is there's a whole lot of adjustment going on. But y'all like that shit, right? It makes you feel like you're here in the middle of it. It's not some sanitized product like on the radio. Yeah, this is real Real, real stuff. So, what did you? What was your, uh, ch- like, your developmental I, I years? Mean, like, this is really know. boring stuff. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll speed through it. I went to um, Southampton uh, School for Kindergarten, 
and I went to St. Edward's uh, grades one through seven, and then I failed the seventh grade, which is terribly uh, traumatic for me. My parents got divorced that year, so I just gave up. And uh, me and another buddy both failed seventh grade that year, and um, I chose to leave leave St. Edward's at that point. I couldn't. So you didn't have to repeat the grade, right? Because that's yeah. junior high, and that's when everybody starts becoming cool and right. self aware and, and going after chicks and stuff. Yeah. And uh, there was no way I was going to go back. Yeah. So I went to Sacred Heart, and that's over in Manchester. And that, that was great. It was a great experience. I thought everybody was really nice and cool there. So I had a good two more years of uh, junior high, and then I went to Benedictine for. High school, Catholic military high school. And that's why I'm so disciplined. Yes. Uh huh. I could see that it really had a good effect. Yeah. You know me well, Curtis. It's, uh, yeah. Well, you know me well too, man. We've seen oh, yeah. each other in compromising situations before. That's right. We're never going to be able to run for political office. Somebody is going to get to one of us and, well, yeah. and grease up some uh, juice, some gossip. There's no no worry of me ever seeking a political career because no, I don't yeah, watch the news. Yeah. I don't really vote, uh, and I don't know what's going on in local politics at all. I like this. Period. This I I never I had just was listening to somebody talking about kids being held back in grades and stuff like that. So in order, you just switch schools all together, so you get to start off as a seventh grader in the beginning of the year. And nobody was any the wiser that right. this is your second time through. Uh, the seventh grade yeah yeah and you didn't have to do that again from no. then on it was a straight trajectory of yeah, academic yeah. achievement and yeah i tried a little harder mm-hmm. um your parents got divorced when you were at 12 mm-hmm. 13 yeah <clears throat> and uh so i'm flimmy so sorry audience out there i'm, I'm a flimmy if you know me you know that i'm kind of flimmy i'm flemish you sounded are you flemish <laughs> by yeah yes yeah, so i'm gonna be doing that the whole time what is your uh, ethnic background what, uh uh, I think it's Scottish, and uh, there's a drop of Native American. I believe it's Cree. You do kind of look like a classic, like mod, uh, uh, greater, you know, United Kingdom character. It's like my haircut. That, yeah, but you got the face. I got too. my fancy haircut when I was in LA. You look like you could be an oasis. And yeah, that's what they uh, they say. Mm-hmm. That's what they say. One of the the lost Gallagher. Yeah, I, I by the way, I consider Oasis contemporaries of the waking hours, not um, you know someone to look up to. Yes, uh, peers. Even. The waking hours were around longer than Oasis. Peers, that's, yes. That's true. You guys are older than them. Uh, I don't know. I think, yeah, I might be older than Liam. I'm not sure. Are the waking hours still a band? No, but, but I just went out and we did a reunion show, uh, in the beginning of August. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the other guy's name in that band? Tom Richards. Tom, yeah. Yeah. And he's always had a fancy haircut. He's too. always been a little fancy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fancy lad. Yeah. That's what they call that, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a British thing. Lovely lad. Lovely lad. Uh, but coming up in Richmond, man, what was your, what was it like for you? Um, like what was your, you just relatively well adjusted kid? I mean, pretty much. Yeah, other than pretty the much. divorce. Other than the divorce, uh, yeah, I had an, a normal idyllic childhood, I think, in the suburbs. Yeah. What'd you do for fun? Um, ran around the woods. What woods? What part of town was this? Uh, it's right on the south end of the Huguenot Bridge, where uh, oh, between yeah. Cherokee and Chippenham, in a little uh, community called Oxford. It's very woodsy. Mm-hmm. That and actually just, used to be like almost. Somebody was telling me that everybody, all those like on Cherokee Road, where they got all those old hunting cabins and stuff, those were actually hunting cabins. Like oh, okay. People used to go over there and stay in the. That was the woods. It was far enough from the city. That sure, that it was, was on the way to Bon Air. Rural. Yeah, mm-hmm. you could go out there and stay in your log cabin and hunt and fish and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's a stone's throw from the uh, from the river. So, so what was Benedictine like for you, man? Because I mean, you know, my experience with Benedictine guys, you're nothing like any of the other dudes I knew that went there. I mean, they were psychos, the ones that I knew in high yeah, school. Yeah, they're all dicks, basically. Yeah, uh, I went there because I'm the youngest of four brothers, and uh, and I, I so I was just I was looking up to my older brothers. So I always wanted to go to Benedictine yeah. just to be like them. And I've always had this weird thing about uniforms. I like uniforms. I like. I always wanted to be the catcher in baseball, mm-hmm. you know, because you got to put on cool gear. Yeah. I always wanted to put on stuff. You like to put on a costume? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you suppose that's about? I don't know. Uh, you know, I do like... Is it ladies, armor ladies, to protect ladies, yourself ladies from too. the world? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Undergarments. It could be a, like a Freudian thing, but or I just think stuff like that's cool. I've always been into army, history, you know, 
Uh, like well, uniform's not bad. Nazis are like before I knew anything about who was what they did and and that they were evil. I thought Nazis were cool as they shit. Look, they really that, those uniforms are great. They look yeah. great, great colors, awesome. all that stuff. The, yeah. Those death head pins and all that stuff. Right. I'm with you on that. And though the Benedictine uniform was pretty like bargain basement for uniforms, there's polyester shirts and like right it was standard army issue. Oh, was it? <clears throat> yeah, right. whatever the army's doing, Benedictine's doing. Well, that's not true. Now they've gone back to the classic grays, like the old VMI look, which I'm, I'm jealous of because I see them walking around. And the their VMI cool uniforms look? are way cooler than one so I got to wear. Like those more kind of um, embroidered-looking things? or Well, just like the, the gray uh, wool. Okay. Gray wool look. I Did it strike you as ironic when you were at Benedictine that it's a Catholic, therefore Christian uh, school yeah. that was dedicated to military kind of discipline and training. Right. Did that, were you aware that there was anything like any kind of disconnect between like preparing for violence and the, uh, <laughs> you know, Christian the, message, well, perhaps killing. I, isn't you know? that one in the same? Look at history for Christ's well, sake. Well, sure. I, I mean, that, that we know where that intended. shit came from, obviously. What was the pun? Yeah. Oh, I you know, uh, for Christ's sake. Oh, for Christ's I said, sake. That's pretty good. I mean, you know, killing, the, for, the crimes, killing in the, the name crimes, of. Great mm-hmm. crimes of the, of the Catholic Church and Christianity are right there for everyone to read in history. Absolutely. Um, you know, but their, that, their hands are a wash with blood of the innocent. And, and we know that we know that there's lots of military and shit that's been done in the name of of Christ and right. all of that kind of stuff, but you know, at that point like you know, I don't know how much of history you know or whatever did it it didn't strike you as as incongruent at all or even the fact that I felt like my impression is that I went to Marymount, which was also a Catholic high school. It was mainly for girls, but it had gone co-ed uh, you know, by uh, maybe yeah. 10 years before I got there. Yeah, we've talked about this. You and Staples were the two guys there, right? There were 20 guys, yeah. But uh, Oh, you said two before. <laughs> there weren't only two guys in the whole school. They might as well have been. There's like uh, 10 girls every guy, I think, at right. the school when I was there. But, I mean, that was a, a, a pretty bona fide, like, they weren't big on the crazy Catholic school shit that you hear about, like kneeling on rulers and... Or pencils and, and no, corporeal we got, punishment. And, we got and that through all that in grade school. Yeah. We had nuns, though, at St. Edward's, and you know they would smack you with a ruler. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess overall Marymount had a fairly, you know, I mean, I don't know, like a forgiving, understanding, accepting sort of attitude. You know, I mean, they didn't, you had to tuck your shirt in and stuff like that, but it was pretty relaxed. But Benedictine struck me as a place where, I mean, these all these guys I knew from there were really seemed to be encouraged to be kind of brutal dudes, you know. Like, uh, do you think they came up with that on their own, or is it the school? I, I think it's um, I think it's a combination. I you know, it's a college prep school, and when you leave there, you you're expected to go right to college and join a fraternity and 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 do that kind of nonsense that mm-hmm. that elitist training right, camp, right. and uh, and then you uh, of course as soon as you graduate college, you you're supposed to have met your lifelong spouse and then go right to your miserable nine to five right, right. corporate institution job. Institution to institution. Yeah. Every- so, you know, and it was all boys and it was a lot of machismo going on and, and, uh, Benedictine, you know, it's definitely has a reputation for dominating basketball and, and being fairly good in other sports, I guess. I but you didn't have on. any problems there when you weren't there, like the four years you were there. No, well, you like, fit right in and. Oh no, no! I was kind of an outcast. I was kind of a, a square peg. Yeah, uh, uh, I was fairly considered kind of a nerd. I was always into music. You know, while I was in school there, my my first band played a dance, and we got paid like twelve hundred bucks, and everybody was jealous that I made money <laughs> at my own. Dance. What was that band? The Eccentrics. I remember. Was it spelled with an X? It originally was yeah. X N T R I X, but then. Uh, we got made fun of too much, and so we expelled it correctly. <laughs> was it a cover band? No. Well, it was like 60-40. Really? Original to cover. Wow. Even at that point, huh? Yeah. What was the style? Was it... Progressive rock. Yeah? Yeah. Were you like Kanto Kook line? Were you guys contemporaries of that band? Yeah, we were. Uh-huh. Those are Trinity guys, and my guys are Trinity guys. And um, and so, yeah. coming out of it, was it sort of Athens... Georgia sounds absolutely kind of, Athens yeah. influenced. Hey, can I? Do you mind if I smoke? 
Not at all. I, you know, do you remember Pat Kenny? This just popped into my head. He went to Benedictine yeah. for a minute. Uh huh. And he left there because he said, I, the story I heard, because he came and looked at Marymount too, I think before settling somewhere like open or community. He'd gotten his jaw broken by somebody at that school. For, yeah. Do you remember that? Uh, some vaguely. He was good friends with my friend David Patton. And, uh, and I remember something traumatic happened to him. Yeah, it's it's entirely possible that uh, he got his jaw broken by some dickhead. I remember right dudes at that school doing things like punching trees and like like Joey Ender's that really Joey big, Ender's yeah uh, bat football player guy he, like he punched a tree and drove his knuckles into his hand. That's the story I heard. I didn't wow. ever see that, but but those guys all dated girls that I was in school with, and I was just hearing all these stories all the time. And was, yeah, they're true. Yeah, there's yeah, place was was. You couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting an asshole. Yeah. And then they would come and hang out in the parking lot of Marymount and we'd come out after school, me and Staples and Trip with our fancy borderline new wave like uh you know, Haircuts. look and huh and they would they were outraged. Oh yeah. And yeah. Went and intimidated the hell out of us there, but also if we dared show up someplace like Dogwood Dell or Strawberry Hill Races or any of those co ed you know, multi school parties out there in the West End, we had to watch our back. Right. Big time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, Benedictine, they, we were fighters. Not we. You did Collectively. Uh, no, I didn't do that shit. So you, you were just kind of a, a, I mean, you found your way into the rock and roll thing there pretty early on. And you, and you just, we, just before you went to get the cigarette, we were talking about it was Athens influenced. Uh, yeah, we were REM. Uh-huh. REM influenced, uh, for sure. Were those the covers that you did too? Stuff like that? Or? Yeah, we did a bunch of covers, but a bunch of REM. Yeah, we did some church. Some, yeah. some older church stuff. And the school dance that you played, it wasn't a Benedictine. Yeah, it was in it the was. gym. Mm-hmm. And that, those guys liked that stuff? And they, I guess they dealt with it. Because you were hired by the school to play they these They were just things. there getting <laughs> wasted and, and trying to, to finger a girl or something. Right, right. So that's interesting. I, and how long did Eccentrics, uh, how long did you do that? Uh, we started in like 83 or something. Or, no. I don't know. We, our voices hadn't changed yet. Um, and we weren't all driving yet. So yeah, somewhere in that zone. We, we made it to like 88. I hung it up. Mm-hmm. And then we what? were fairly benign in retrospect as far as our music. It, it's, it didn't have much edge. It was kind of in a time where we weren't really at war anywhere. Right. Everything was just kind of easy going. And, there was a uh, lot of stuff around Richmond like that at that time too and they're like you know, that's would be Susie saxon and the anglos time too yeah, right? the good and, guys time and the dads and the dads yeah yeah which is why i, I play music because my brother was the drummer in the dads oh really they used to rehearse at my house what was your brother's kids. name mike tub mike tub okay yeah somebody just posted a picture of them playing a schaefer court and brian harvey was in yes that band too right they had they got fairly i mean they almost got big or something i mean like they house of freaks was it House of Freaks or Dads? dads? The, the dads, dads were there. They were on their way. Um, they had a hit song, didn't they? Or, uh, no, they didn't have. They didn't have any hits. They they were signed to a record label called C. It was a CBS affiliate. It was called CBS Estate Records. And they had this producer who had um, worked with Harry Chapin and discovered Ario Speedwagon. It was kind of a big deal, I suppose. But he didn't really. He he made a record with them, and it didn't. It wasn't the best sounding record in the world, and. Um, for whatever reason, the machine didn't didn't work for them, right? And they ended up fizzling out, you know. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, we used to open for the Dads quite a bit too, which made all the other bands in our, you know, peer group jealous. But mm-hmm. you know, when you have a brother in a sure. successful band, it's, what's That's what you it's all do? about, right? Yeah, we played the Rockets a bunch. Um, we played the Library, which was Max's oh, Corner yeah. Cafe before that. Um, um, waking hours was that right after Eccentrics? Was there something? Oh no, there was a bunch of bands in between then. Yeah, uh, I was in uh, a rockabilly outfit called Car Bomb for a while. I remember them. Yeah, I didn't know I you were the, in that band. The, the Pompa Hawk haircut for a while. Who else? Jamie. What was that guy's? Jamie McGuffey yeah. was he was he was the first drummer. And then I came in after him. Okay. And then he came in when I left again. Okay. And I was in a band called the Knievels with John Goschalk and Barry Roach, uh, who were from Fat, Flat Stanley fame. Phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal Richmond band. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I have been in, uh, and been out of and then in again, Bucket. 
Oh yeah, the Richmond Institution. Right. What was that guy's Lewis name? Lewis Harris uh-huh. and Mitchell Taylor. Remember them? Mm-hmm. And uh, we're still playing every once in a while. And um, uh, I was lucky enough to spend a little bit of time uh, in the band called The Dynamic Truths with Bob Schick and Chip Jones and Dave Jones, mm-hmm. no relation, and uh, and Bill Walker. Oh, and did I say uh, Bob Schick? Yeah. Okay. You said Bob Schick a lot. So no, just far. twice. Twice. Mm, three. <clears throat> well, three times now. Yeah, three times now. We were talking about his clothes earlier. Yeah. But you pretty much did your Richmond trajectory all the way up to like um, waking hours yeah. and then taking waking hours to LA. Right? Yeah, the waking I joined the waking hours in 1997 um, and uh, on, on guitar. And um, things started picking up from that point. We played the Buzz Fest out at the fairgrounds mm-hmm. and um the radio station yeah it was a yeah. year that the foo fighters played and somebody else on the main stage um what happened oh so this label called time bomb which was an arista subsidiary um <clears throat> the president of time bomb and one other guy marketing guy or our guy were doing a personal like tour of radio stations mm-hmm. radio markets and they came to uh what was that station? What was it? The 106. Yeah. 106. I think it's right. Whatever. Mix 106, the buzz or something yeah. like that. And yeah. And they kind of came along. They came in to meet and greet at the station and they, while they were there, they asked like what was going on in Richmond? Who, who, the, who were the bands to watch? And one of the, I guess one of the D, they, they just mentioned us somehow. So we were contacted by that label and, um, we uh started a dialogue with them and and then uh we played the buzz fest and they came to see us there and and from that performance we got signed <clears throat> and um so then uh we made a record out in, in Berkeley California at Fantasy Studios which is cool that was the place where CCR did most of their mm-hmm. records so i'm told i remember and, seeing that on on their records yeah well we spent a year on that label and nothing really happened but I think like we were, it was, it was pretty fascinating time though, because it was, it was right at the end when, uh, of the, the era when some indie rock bands were getting decent budgets for mm-hmm. recording and tour support. And we spent a 250,000 bucks or the label did on our record. We were in the studio for like two and a half months full time. Wow. Had a producer in the whole nine, mm-hmm. nine yards, nine works. What's that adage? I think it's nine yards, yeah. Okay. Stitching time saves nine. Yeah, nine works. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I knew that was wrong. I just threw that in there. Uh, and so when you say did, nothing happened. Well, I mean, they, they didn't even have a college radio campaign, which I thought was odd. They went through for tertiary rock radio markets and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh. What's tertiary? It's like smaller Second markets. Second level, yeah. like farm team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. That was that station that Matt Penfield came from. They liked us a lot up in Woodstock or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and then we did like one tour that was unattached to any other band. Like, you would think, uh, an artist that, uh, when a label's trying to promote would, would, would put you on as a support act for right. someone bigger. And that never happened. They just sent you out as a headliners for that? Yeah. It's just like, and we, we started at the top booking agencies and got passed on and passed on until we got this fly by night booking agent who booked this for one month from like boston to to you know uh i don't know arkansas or something and uh or florida and we just got put in like plugged into wherever we could get plugged into and it was really a useless waste of money and uh i don't know why we never got put on with anybody like mike ness was on our label mm-hmm. the aquabats um and a handful of other Pretty good bands. Uh, Time Bomb was a subsidiary of Arista. Arista. <clears throat> Arista. Arista. Did my impression of this is like when they do spend all that money, like two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars, you got to make that up by selling the record. And if you don't sell the record, yeah, if you don't recoup, you owe them. No, no uh, one, no one understands that. It, yeah, it's it, funny. Uh, no, you, that's a tax write-off. You get dropped, uh-huh. and they eat it. Okay. So my advice to any but any record sales just spend right. spend spend yeah. <laughs> Although someone was trying to tell somebody was telling me recently that that's all changed, but and that they follow you into your private life. I don't know if that's true or not, but I haven't really been keep, keeping up with the right inner workings of 
record deals. But you uh, had the they spent two hundred fifty thousand dollars on 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 a studio, and they paid a bunch of money to try to market you guys on some level. Yeah, and they booked a tour, and they, you know, they absorbed the costs of that. Right, and we got you know, some radio play, for the transportation, you know, all of that. And when your record doesn't, yeah, bought sell, us a van, right, and a trailer. Did you get to keep that? Yeah, we did. So if the record doesn't recoup all of that money they spent, they you you just never see like if the record sells, you never see a dime if it doesn't cover all those costs. It's right. like you only get paid for your record after right. it covers. They all own the, costs. the master tapes, right. and, and then uh, if they decide not to drop you, if they don't sell any records and they i guess it rolls over to the next record or you know i think i don't know but so they dropped us after we were on for a year and uh so at that point when we got dropped we felt like we were a good band at that point Mm -hmm. you know we'd been playing a lot so we decided to move to los angeles and that's what happened oh yeah so So you you hadn't moved to los angeles no this all happened while we're still in richmond oh right on Mm mm-hmm you toured out of here and everything. Then you moved to LA, and I remember I think you decided to come out. F- f- were you already? Were you the drummer at, at that point, or were you? No, I was a guitar player. You were. Yeah. Did you hire Sean? Sean Sutphin was out there on his own. We, right. He came out two years after we moved out there, and uh, our, our Mike Mike McCormick was our drummer that we moved out there with, and he uh, he left us. After the first two years to go play with a band called Everybody Else. And, um, so then I, I filled in on drums for a while. And then we got, uh, Sean, who we knew from Richmond, who was in Ultra Bait mm-hmm. and some other bands. What was that? Something named that's her vodka. Wasn't uh, he, what was know. that band? Uh, something Pap Smirnoff. Was it? Yeah, Pap Smirnoff. Okay. I think he was in that band. Yeah, he's doing a couple of hole in the wall type bands. So you got up to LA and, uh, after getting dropped by Time Bomb and just decided that you were going to try to make the waking hours work out there. Yeah. And, so we uh, found a manager, uh, who, uh, uh, wasn't very good. Uh, uh, the most important thing is to get, get mad. Uh, Adam, our manager was a great, hardworking, awesome guy, but he wasn't really, he wasn't connected to the industry mm-hmm. or to the nepotism that needs right. to happen out there. Um, but he did a lot of great things for us. He got us hooked up with publishing. With Boone Murray that handles MTV and, uh, you know, reality show stuff. And so we got, <clears throat> we released our own record. We never got another record deal while we were out there, but, um, what we released our own record and got like 11 out of 12 songs placed in television and some movie stuff. And hmm. so it was good. And, um, we, um, actually paid many months of rent from free industry money. Oh, that's cool. So not too bad. What year was it you went out there? 2000. 2000. And I came along in 2004 and ran into you out yes, there. Yes, you did. I was down in Costa Mesa. You were in Costa Mesa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were working for some label or something. TKO Records. Mm-hmm. Punk label. Yeah. And you came over to a soiree in my house in Glendale. That's right. And you had one of the Donnas there and I was very I had excited two Donnas there. to meet her. Really? I only knew, saw Al- Allison, the guitar player, the extra, oh, extra said, hot one. Oh, I thought Brett was there or something. I don't remember. She may was it have someone been. else there too that you, you, you reminded me of? I didn't remi- remember was there. I just remember that Donna oh, girl that okay. I tried, I tried, I tried and failed. Yeah, Allison, she's her. a real cutie and, and a ripping guitar player. Yes, really, and really, we talked about this before. <clears throat> Mild mannered, sweetheart, shy, mm-hmm. and then on stage, yeah, total badass, total badass, mm-hmm. way better guitar player than I'll ever be. Yeah, she's got a lot of, I mean. She's got hot licks. Yeah, forget even that, like that insulting, uh, female guitar player thing. Did, just I, a, did I kind of, no, no, other people to that? do. I'm a very or sexist it's a man, trap by the way. to fall into. And she's just a good guitar player. Like, she, you know, she doesn't, ha- I've seen lots of, I don't know. She handles a guitar like she's, you know, taking command of that thing. Like, she really I was going to say, I thought out, you were going to say know? like she has a cock. I'm not going to make any of those, but she did, uh, but types she did kind of, kinda, you, wield it like a like, yeah, a, like a phallic right i mean she i mean like it, i don't know some but people handle do with it i don't know some people handle guitars like there's some delicate instrument you know right. and like you see and i watch many women who are in like kind of girly punk and uh 
garage bands and they're just so perfectly timid. timidly holding their power cords and you know and they yeah. have and they have long fingernails with paint on them yeah and i'm um, like how the hell are you even doing that and there are plenty of men that play that like that too with it there are up real high to and be fair touching it very lightly mm-hmm. their little paul reed smith yeah and i don't i don't really dig that i like you know really working the instrument over like squeezing the hell out of the neck and banging on the strings and i I firmly believe that that the the the, if you're playing in the rock genre you need to and technically you don't don't need to right because there's there's amplification yeah i've I've got an epiphone les paul and and i it has this book match flame top on it i immediately spray painted over that flat black paint Mm -hmm. it just looks too santana for me yeah yeah you know I mean, those guitars look are, are meant to be played that way, and you don't have to strum the strings hard to get a sound out of. You just turn up your amp, but it's just so much. It just seems right to play them like that. Put on a show, man. Let's yeah. get, put on a show. Yeah, and she's good at that. Like she's just. I mean, I really just le- legitimately admired her as a rocker. Yes, you know, agreed. And the fact that she was a female is a major bonus, you know, because I could, yeah. I could delude myself that maybe I could get to date her yeah me too like me too but she was going out with, with my friend uh, taylor then she was there with that guy the rooney yeah. guy yeah mm-hmm. and uh so and uh it was funny because that reminds me of our time out there we we made we instantly started going to parties and met and met uh phantom planet and rooney and even hansen at parties mm-hmm. and, and uh and then the the uh, guys that would become uh uh what's that big band out there that, that sounds like stevie wonder uh maroon five yeah 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 i wouldn't have described them that way but i uh well i kind of don't, don't think kind of try to emulate stevie wonder i i've never that would never have occurred to me they just seem like bland fm they radio. yeah 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 they, they were in an indie rock they were an indie rock band called yeah. Paris flowers so they were around the scene too they were just getting ready to do that so but i, I guess my point was this and we went to these parties and uh and uh you know that band Rooney um they they were nice enough to have us open for them a lot at the Whiskey and the Roxy and so we got to get a good chunk of their fan base mm-hmm. it was really cool but we always knew that we were not uh of of the land mm-hmm. uh we weren't connected through yeah. like i said nepotism and all all of those bands like uh the band the like mm-hmm. um so three piece girl band all of their dads were famous either producers or musicians. Right, right. Everybody was connected to the industry well, you, somehow. Yeah, you fans, Phantom Planet, I mean, what that guy uh, was, I mean, obviously well, he's in Rushmore and stuff. Jason Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman, but he's and also And then his brother, Coppola, Robert, basically. was in Rooney. Yeah. So, yeah. And he's also, isn't he's related to the Coppolas. He's like... He's a Coppola. Yeah. yeah Coppola. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, his mom the, is Talia Shire. Right. That's right, it. Right. From right. Uh, Rocky fame. Right. So you got all this going on and we're, we're kind of sitting, you know, we're these, but we're these, uh, working class kids from Richmond, Virginia that came and transplanted out there. And, and although they were nice enough to have us play, I just never felt, I always felt kind of a, 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 a like a class lower. I well, was it kind seems of a, like you, you, yeah. I mean, you guys got to be a working class band out there and not, you're not getting into the glitz and the glamour kind of thing but you were able to make a living somewhat like playing in bands and a little bit yeah well, we had jobs so. and what was your what did you do out there besides play music i worked for a uh a, a company that did uh backline rental um backline rental being the, uh, the like instruments guitars for a, and amps, yeah. yeah for a touring band comes to town they don't bring their own equipment more recording can... studio oh, stuff. Really? yeah and i also that company also um st- stored and transported um, studio musicians gear for them. Mm-hmm. So I would, uh, pack up, uh, some, you know, hotshot guitar players gear and deliver it to the studio and set it up for them. I remember you working for Jet at one point. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Uh, and that's the other tech. thing about living in a major city, the opportunities that happen. Uh, Sean, uh, <clears throat> it wasn't Sean Suffin. It was another drummer that we had who was working at SIR, mm-hmm. Studio Instrument Rental, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. another backline rental company. Yep. And he was, he was, uh, schlepping a job over there and um, he knew that I was a guitar tech and he heard that this band uh, needed that was coming to the Troubadour needed a guitar tech for one night mm-hmm. for 100 bucks cash and uh, I, he he slid me the gig and it was Jet and uh, they had already recorded that that record that that yeah, debut record that girl we, on it and stuff yeah, like that, that yeah and um, so I did the gig and, and we got along famously they asked me to go start touring with them 
So I toured with them for two years as their tech. How'd you like that? Oh, it was great. It was wide open. Those guys, those Australians. Yeah. The 22-year-old Australians uh, are wide open cats. <laughs> um, and, and how does what is that experience like compared to being the musician in the band? Is it any different? Like, I mean, you are a musician, but I mean, you're not performing. You're just handing somebody a guitar, yeah, tuning I, it, and all that shit. Yeah, and, that's a common question. People are like, you know, don't you wish you were on stage instead of doing that? I'm like, sure, but it's not a bad job. I I enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, I got job satisfaction. I was satisfied with the job. Of course, I'm like, man, because I was out there trying to make the waking hours fly. And mm-hmm. Of course, I'm like, well, this should be us. Sometimes yeah. I would think that. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't us. So I, I would almost like it, it almost seems like it would be better. Like you like you don't have to put on the show. You just support that and you get to do everything else they get to do. Yeah, just, like, absolutely. And, and, and some things that they didn't get to do. Yeah. Because they all had girlfriends. Oh, and really? And that it, mattered? It did matter. Because at the end of the show, um, the know, girlfriends were there. They, the, it was, no, they were in Australia. So it was like shooting fish in a barrel. I just put it that way. And we had a tour bus, which helps. Girls like tour buses. I don't know. It's it's a it's a weird magnetic thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and was that one of those nice tour buses that has basically a miniature strip club in the back of it? Through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a fancy. The mirrors fancy and uh, all of that crap. So you know, you. Uh, I remember we ran in. We ran into each other like you were doing that. And what made you uh, leave L.A.? I left Los Angeles. Um, in, well, the Waking Hours played our last show in 2008. Um, and <clears throat> I think we, we just fizzled. There was no drama. Um, and then uh, I got married to um, our bass player. Um, and we were this married for... This is a for, female, right? Yeah, this was a female. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, we were married for a year and a half and got divorced. And at that point, I, I was, remember this I was working all. for this complete shit band called Lifehouse, um, as a drum and bass tech. Are they Christian? That's the first thing out of everyone's mouth. And I will say they are thinly veiled Christian, although they deny it. Uh huh. Now, as a Christian, you probably shouldn't deny your, your God. But that's right. That's a sin um, or something. But, uh, yeah, I had a, I had a talk with Jason, uh, the singer about that. I said, uh, everybody says when I tell them who I'm working for, they, they go, isn't it that Christian band? He goes, ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> he goes, when, when I was young, I, you know, I was, I, I would, would, I guess, talk about my faith, write about my faith, whatever. Uh, but, uh, I, I keep, keep that separate now. Well, how did they get that reputation of, for being a, is it because I, of Lifehouse Ministries or something? Isn't that like I don't a, know exactly how they got that, that, that tag, but it's stuck like glue. I them. guess that name is, is associated with something. I'm not really. Well, sure. I mean, if, if you've ever taken the time, and, and I don't expect many people listening to this have taken the time to, to break down Lifehouse lyrics, but they're fairly, a lot of them are thinly veiled. Right. You can, you can. I remember there was the, the, Al, the Who album. Whose next was originally supposed to be a rock opera called Lifehouse? Yeah, and uh, I don't, I can't say that that, that they took connection. it from that, but maybe they certainly didn't sound like the Who. Uh, it was one of the most horrible experiences I've ever had working for a band. Was no no bro time, no cohesion. I felt like I was out, uh, a, you know, an outcast with them too, which is funny because I was cooler than any of them by far, mm-hmm. by miles. Mm-hmm. Look at me. Mm-hmm. Look at my hair. Hey, yeah, your hair is definitely uh, cool. And you had to go to L.A. for that haircut? You can't get that here? Yeah, I had to go all the way <clears throat> to Los Angeles. No, actually, you can get one of these here. Who does them? Who do you like in Richmond for a good um, haircut? Uh, uh, my, my, my main haircutter is uh, Adam. Where? Over down by the star. Is he in Car Bomb? Is that no, no, no. That's uh, Lee. I, I'm blanking on Adam's last name, but he's on Robinson next to the Starbucks. Oh, yeah? That salon. He kicks ass. He's a cool guy. I usually let it get out to a, um, you know, a, a really pain in the ass length, and then I just cut it back to about an inch with the clippers and just go go from there. Yeah, that's Again, good. I don't really. I can't stand haircuts. They never look like anything I want. Yeah, it, it takes. You gotta. There's a curing period where you have to. I don't like that. Yeah, it sucks. I just rather buzz it and then. So I'm in this uh, this band now. Oh yeah, the Glass Twin. Yeah, no the, just Glass Twin. Oh, no the, just no Glass the, Twin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, we're playing, uh, I don't know when this is going to come out, we're playing tomorrow. It'll, I'm going to be doing this like Tuesday. Okay. 
So all you listeners will miss the show. You uh, playing tomorrow though? Where? Campbell again. We're opening for U.S. Royalty. What are they like? Uh, we listened to them briefly, and they were. Uh, what do they remind me of? In, in a weird way, they reminded me of Midnight Oil uh, hmm. somehow. Uh, but I that's not. I don't know if that's an accurate comparison. What would you call? What would you say? Glass Swin is like. I saw you guys. Was that your first show? Bobst just uh, just gave us some interesting descriptors and style. Said, oh yeah. Said, uh, dream catchers of psychedelic rock or something like that. It is psychedelic, and you guys have a nice light show and stuff like that. Right. But it also seemed to me to be a little more organized than the standard psychedelic rock like you guys sure. seem to be some professional musicians that know what you're doing and there's this trading of vocals and yeah and we do yeah it's uh well rehearsed kind we of. are we're pretty well rehearsed but uh that just a little backstory the band was used to be called marionette marionette mm-hmm. and uh i got to richmond in 2010 when i moved back from la uh uh my girlfriend had turned me on to them and and i was like wow this band's great where are they from Mm-hmm. Just had no idea that they'd be from Richmond. She goes, oh, they're a Richmond band. I'm like, oh, fuck, great. And uh, so I started seeing them play, and then I started doing sound for them. And I weaseled my way into the band. And uh, then they changed the name Glass Twin because uh, for multiple reasons. One is that... There are other marionettes. There are other marionette hits on the internets. Yeah. There's another marionette band, and it's a black metal band. It's That's what apparently. I... S- yes. That, that strikes... Uh, so there's Nobody's Glass Twin, though, So except for us. That's good. And where does that name come from? Uh, you'll have to ask Kevin Gornell about that. For some reason, I feel like it's the name of an amp, but you already nixed that. I think it's I... a dildo. Really? I think there is a dildo called a glass is, twin. What kind of glass are we talking about? Fiberglass? I hope so. I, I think it'd be like a high temp, high tempered, unbreakable. It must be. Like the kind of glass you make a bowl out of. Right. It's not going to break. Where the guy in the head shop throws it across the room to it's demonstrate. It's always got to come back to drugs. Yeah, doesn't it? It always comes back around. But what was the rock and we didn't even talk about this and I'm going to I want to keep talking if you do. Um what did you uh what was the music that got you like we talked about the Athens stuff but what was like what was the shit you were really into and you were really listening to that like you're like I want to be those guys or I want to be like that. I I don't know. I mean when I was a kid the Beatles and Kiss mm-hmm. were uh you know my two first favorites and uh uh like most people I guess I don't know. And uh, and then Ari, when REM came out, uh, we, always, me and my bandmates always felt like, wow, these guys are are, we felt like they were you know they were just from just down the road a bit you know mm-hmm. Athens, they were a regional like we felt a kindred spirit right, and in their first they weren't on some other first stratus. handful of records are really good you know a lot of REM fans um, these days you know, people who say oh I love REM you know don't know anything before green or right. automatic for the people like murmur or, or out of time and and that's actually when i stopped listening to them actively you know mm-hmm. uh you know it was uh reckoning and and um chronic town mm-hmm. and early records like that which just yeah. were like oh my god who, you know, what's going on here yeah and yep. oddly enough i saw them open for the police at the norfolk scope on the synchronicity tour for the police and uh and they were on their first tour rem was and 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 i everyone was booing them and uh hmm. and my buddy my buddy john small i was actually with at the, uh, the show with him and he was booing so then i joined in the chorus of boos just being a stupid kid mm-hmm. only only a matter of weeks later but at this i realized point, my grave mistake did you you didn't like them yet at that point no that I, was I wasn't even thinking for myself oh. i just said well everyone else is booing Mob boo mentality too. Yeah, yeah why not <laughs> but actually, I'd, I'd heard Radio Free Europe on the radio, and I I remember going, "Oh, this is kind of cool." But I was too young to make my own decisions mm-hmm. and be a free thinker at that point, Curtis. Sure, sure. South Central Rain, right? Isn't that another one? Yeah, that's another one. Um, yeah. So what else did you? So then, you and, and then metal fan. It's funny, at I, all? I, I, I never liked metal, um, but I've always been. I've always liked the punk rock, and uh, I've always, uh, I've always also felt a part. You know, that, um, pretty far apart from the Richmond hardcore scene, although I've always admired it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was never one of those kids. I was never a skater. Uh, you know, I never hung out in those circles. And I was pretty much a soft, you know, 
I wasn't hard edged, uh, although, but I always loved Black Flag and, uh, I know I always loved the Minutemen and, and, uh, I'm a big war fan like you are, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, DBX and, uh, DBX Dave Brock experience. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, alternatives and Burma Jam and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And the, the Keep Bone Band. It's so nice mm-hmm. to have them back again. Were you at that show at uh, Gallery Man, 5? Man, I or? missed that oh, show. Yeah. I was, was dicking really around uh, with... Uh, well, I was hanging out with my new boss and having cocktails at his house, and, and I had, had urged them to you know, go see the show, and everybody kind of start, started ignoring me, and I was like, hey, we've got about 10 minutes before we need to leave, and mm-hmm. nobody was about it. And then, uh, since I just started working with this guy, I didn't want to push it. Yeah. And it sucks because you know every everybody was there. Everybody said it was amazing. And yeah, it was uh, a good I time. called him at Balasso two times before that, uh, and and that was amazing. And then there was a Balasso show that I didn't know about, and that was uh, Dave Castleman's kind of wake show. Oh yeah. And I knew Dave, and uh, and it's such a sad thing because I knew he was he was battling uh, some horrendous cancer and. I ran into Chip Chip Mangum, mm-hmm. uh, and he told me about that show that I had missed. I didn't even hear about it. And what's what's even weirder is I didn't even hear that well, Dave it died. A, it was an invite, like they sent some. I guess somebody just whoever was you know putting it together invited people they knew knew him. Yeah, on Facebook. Well, I think the weirder the thing is that it, it, yeah. people were like, "Oh, Dave's Dave's passing was all over Facebook. Where were you?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see anything about it." I didn't hear about him dying until like a month after he passed away. So it was very sad. That's the weird thing about Facebook. You think he's broadcasting that shit heavily, but if you haven't been interacting with certain people in a while, you right. just don't even see it. I haven't seen you, your, anything you've done on there lately even. Huh. Except for, I remember the Dolphin Street, Street Dolphin. Oh, that, yeah, shit. it was two nights. It was Thursday night. Who else is good? You've been here a little bit longer than me. Names I've been hearing, I haven't to check out yet. Like Canario, Canary. Are they? There, you... There's a, a um, a bunch of bands that I have not seen that I know are probably good. Like yeah. Sn- Snowy Owls is apparently is a good band. I've heard that. Um, and then uh, what else? I've been wanting to see the Bermuda Triangles, and I have not seen them. And they just played last night or something, or maybe they're playing tonight. They're are playing they? this weekend. That there was a one-way Richmond. Oh really? Show pick. And I, I need to just try harder to pop my head up and, and do some research seeing what's going on. I'm bad. But I'm what bad. are the bands bad. that you have managed to see? Not many. You like Canario Canary. And you you guys were playing with my darling Fury that night that I saw you, right? Uh, uh I believe we did. And that was the first time you'd seen them. We No Oh yeah, in Floodwall, right, right, right. Uh-huh. That was the third band. Right? Yeah. But that was the first time you'd seen my darling Fury was amazing. Yeah, uh, that guy can sing his ass off, and Clark is in that band, I believe. Mm-hmm. And the, that guitar Saw player, fan. I was trying to figure out from what band is Clark. He was Saw. He that's was right, Saw, and a bunch of other things. And there was another guy that I knew from. I was watching him the whole time. I knew I knew his face, but I couldn't remember. He was actually one of the. Uh, he was a Cary Street Cafe. Uh, the hell was that band? Thomas and those guys were in Schwill. He's in Schwill. He was a guitar player. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name. I just connected with him at that show. I like that a lot, though, and it's it's been striking me. There's a very wide variety, a huge variety of bands in this. Yeah, now. yeah. Like, there isn't a sound like there was. In, like, well, you know, it's, in it's funny. I, I don't know what what to think of this. Like, if, if I'm just getting older and more jaded and more cranky, or or if this is actually true. I don't think times have changed. But if anybody listening ever was lucky enough to see the good guys play, there's there's nothing like that happening. Uh, they, Two they of were, those guys played last night <laughs> somewhere. Oh, what, were they at Hardywood? Yes. Yeah. yeah, as the big guys. Well, yeah, it was Harry. Yeah, yeah. Harry does that. I don't know if anybody else from the band. What was that band like? Were they ska kind they of? They were or? soul and ska, uh-huh. a fusion of that. And um, um, Harry Gore. It was the and, three Gore brothers. It yeah. was Harry, Chris, and Jimmy, mm-hmm. um, who now goes by Khalil Jahi and lives up in, in Brooklyn, I think. Um and a bass player named Charles Williams. And, uh, so having the three brothers in the band, uh, was such, was such an amazing thing to watch. And, uh, just being a black soul ska band as well, you know, mm-hmm. uh, was, 
that weren't they appealed to everybody. They weren't like uh, um, you know a racially polarized. Kind Not of, at all. Uh, and they had such a massive sound. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Horns and stuff. The last time I ever danced at a show it was probably a good guy show, and that was about eighty million years ago. <laughs> so you're saying you might be old because you can't think of anything to make that you. Think There's nothing of that. on that spectacular level I, that I know of is happening in Richmond right now. Um, but you know, I don't know. Well, it does seem like there are some very unique and ambitious. Oh wait, except for Glass Twin. Right, yeah, that is pretty spectacular. And I took pictures of your laser light show, which I thought were that was pretty awesome. You know, you got something going on there, a little smoke machine. Yeah, yeah. Well, machine. well, it's a hazer actually. Mm. It's just so creates it's still a, little a smoke haze, machine. Not too much smoke. Just well, yeah, we don't like the the clouds of smoke like drifting in because that looks right. a little weird. But uh, but we like a hazy, consistent haze. Sets and, the mood. Well, I I like that band. It also kind of it seemed <clears> like it's got a little dark. Kind of gothicness, to yeah, it. a uh, bit. Like more like old uh, Joy Division kind of dark. There is a, that's a good. I think that's a good, uh, a good little facet mm-hmm. you just mentioned. Yeah, that echoey kind of uh, low, deep voiced kind of yeah thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a departure from anything I've, I've been involved with before, but it's it's great. It's also probably the most I've ever rehearsed with a band as well. They they have a really Intense work ethic, but I appreciate that mm-hmm. because use a little discipline. It's probably one of the reasons the waking hours never got another record deal because we would just rehearse like once before we'd have a showcase, and then we get too drunk, and then mm. and then I'd sing flat, and uh, <laughs> you know the label guy would be like, "Well, you know they got a lot of energy, but uh, you know work to do." And that was a pretty. I mean, you guys wrote. You had a lot of songs. Like that was a pretty big catalog, right? Yeah, there was a few songs. There's more than one record, two, three records. Yeah, there's two EPs and two full lengths, really, th- th- during the time I was in the band from 97 Same to 2008. Same material on the EPs as the full lengths? Or- well, an EP would be called Extended Play. I know and what an EP is. I don't know why that means. Ex- uh, well, I don't know what it's extended. Extended past the 45. It's not a single. So, oh, thank you. Know. Yeah, because there was a single, then there was an EP. So what are you saying? Well, the first, the first EP had like five... A lot of times six people songs. will take all six of those songs oh, and transform over to record to the album and uh, you know, add I think some we did a little songs. overlap, but not yeah. much. <clears throat> I don't know. It still seemed like you had a fair amount of songs, but, but like you weren't constantly writing after you got to LA. You didn't write new ones, or you? Oh did, yeah, yeah. We know. have a whole record that's unreleased. That is pretty cool. Um, that went a little more like psychedelic, a little more shoegaze, and um, and Tom keeps threatening. To release it, and maybe one day it'll see the light of day. It's, but I, I, I like it. And so, when you guys would get together and write songs and stuff, you just didn't really crack the whip and rehearse, like rehearse, rehearse. No, like, to really get it down. No, we used to do like two really but loud rehearsals, and was, we wouldn't stop and go, "Hey, what were you singing there? That was a little weird." Mm-hmm. We just go, "Oh, yep, yeah, okay, we that's got good. it. Let's let's go party." Yeah. Okay. Uh, but hey, Ricky, thanks for coming along with me. A little hey, Saturday, yeah. A little Saturday ramble. Right on. Yeah. Thanks for having me on your show. I, th- I think it's really great. And I hope that, uh, your listenership will expand in wonderful ways because, uh, I, th- I think it's a good thing for Richmond. I think it, what you're doing is a really cool thing. I like, I like your, uh, your vibe on this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's an entertaining show to listen to. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think it's, I'm it's, Ricky Tubb, goddammit. Yeah. Fucking Rick James, bitch. All right. Thanks. Bye. I'm Ricky Tub, biatch. That was, that was Ricky Tub. Ricky Tub, Ricky Tub. Just kind of rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Not to be confused with the uh, tubs from Miami Vice, of course. I believe you. We didn't get around to making fun of that. But I had a great time talking to him. And uh, be looking out for Glass Twin shows coming up. And, uh, you know, hey, if you're listening to this and you like to get drunk at Helen's, try to keep it down when you're out in the street because Ricky's trying to trying to get some sleep because he's got a day job now, man. And he's going to be up early. So keep the street dolphin chatter to a minimum. Aight. And uh, hello, you all. Remember, uh, I would... Uh, love it if you could make a modest contribution to this podcast 
and there is a menu button on the top of my homepage, www.tantraconversation.com. I know nobody needs to say www, but I did. So sue me. Uh, donate. It's easy. It's a PayPal thing. You can do it with your credit card. Really appreciate it. Um, and for those of you who have made donations, as I, I'm very grateful. And thanks for the show of support. Um, if there are others of you that are listening to these podcasts and you haven't seen me and told me how you feel about them, and you haven't made a monetary contribution to tell me how you feel about them, send me an email or tweet at me or uh, all of this stuff is on my page, of course. Or, um, you know, just leave a comment on one of these on these blogs on the podcast page. Let me know what's up. And I look forward to hearing from you. Until then, namaste. Namaste.